You're you're salty about white bread. Yeah. <laughs> Remember Small Wonder Bread? That loaf of bread that had <laughs> Marilyn Manson in it. Was it Marilyn Manson in Small Wonder? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it was also Billy Corrigan. Not it wasn't not Marilyn Manson. It was not Billy Corrigan. I was thinking oh. of Paul from the Wonder wow, Years. Okay. Oh wait, no, the Wonder Breads. Yeah. What, okay. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 198 of Video Games Hot Dog, a podcast. <clears throat> How's it going, guys? Per, yeah, it's good. Per, yeah. Per, Have you been since the last episode of Video Games Hot Dog, which was episode 197 of Video Games Hot Dog? This is oh, is this episode 197? Yeah. Why didn't you correct me earlier? Eh. I felt like I was one older, but suddenly I'm younger again. Oh, good. Isn't that great? Wouldn't it be great if it was your birthday and then suddenly, like, the mayor calls and was like, there's been a mistake. You're actually only 12. Wow. Like, I, I remember cool. like, I remember waking up on my 29th birthday and having kind of a, a panic attack before I looked at my phone to see what year it was. Oh, thinking that you might have accidentally turned 30? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That mm. would have been terrible. And then a year later, I actually turned 30, and it's pretty much the same. Yeah, it was fine. Same. Yeah. Hey, guys, on Saturday, I went and I watched the Kentucky Derby. And yeah. then I had like 30 drinks and then ended up in some stranger's apartment watching two men try to hit each other on a television. Oh, on It was a apparently television. very expensive. Okay. okay. Oh, I don't know. There might have been some people trying to hit each other, too. I had had 30 drinks. Were they mint juleps? <clears throat> no, no. I, w I didn't go to the Kentucky Derby. I just went to a bar in the middle of the day to watch the Kentucky Derby. I, it, it lasts about a minute. And is not at all interesting to watch. Huh. That is my assessment of the Kentucky Derby. Did the horse that won have help. a funny name? Uh, his name was American Pharaoh. Mm. <laughs> Speaking of derbies, um, after we talked about Finger Derpy, um, the guy who uh, made it um, apparently listened to the podcast and approached me about design, about the design issue I talked about, how the games last too long. Okay. And then we talked a bunch about ways to mitigate that, and then he patched it, so it might be better now. Oh, nice. I thought you were going to say he approached you asking if Finger Derpy was Frog Fractions too. <laughs> <laughs> he apparently, like, after we talked, also put a horse in the game named Frog Fractions too. Oh. <laughs> and Nice. Uh, which I found out because there's a subreddit I'm subscribed to that, like, has one post every six months called... The subreddit is called, Is This Frog Fractions 2? And someone posted a screenshot of Finger Derpy. <laughs> so, that was a cool thing. And I never I also, did check it out. What was that? I never did check it out, Finger yeah, Derpy. It, well, it's probably better now, I'm betting. Okay. I also uh, went to New York. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I gave a talk at, uh, I think it was at NYU. I don't really remember nouns. <laughs> <laughs> so how did the could, talk you go? Could have blood <laughs> instead. <laughs> it was pretty good. It was the same talk that I gave at GDC. Uh, okay. So um, you can find a uh, video of we that. We didn't pretend to have seen that talk at some point to be polite to you. No, yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, okay. no. I could I could just pull snippets from it and play them into this microphone over the course of the podcast if mm -hmm. you want. Um, I, I'm pretty proud of that talk, although, like, I am not a very good public speaker, so if you look at the YouTube video of, like, me giving the talk, the first 20 minutes until I finish speaking are super uncomfortable, and then after that it goes to Q&A, and I'm much better at that, because it's a conversation, I'm good at conversation. 
I've always had a lot easier time doing Q&A than issuing prepared stuff. Yeah, it's like, definitely. What's going to happen is that there, people are going to ask me questions that I know the answers to or I wouldn't be here. Right. So it's not. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, I, I think it was at like NYU Game Lab, it might have been a Baby Castles thing because they talked about Baby Castles a lot. Um, you had no idea where you were the whole they're time. Involved. I, I mean, I knew that I knew the address. Okay. <laughs> so I had to get there. The subway system in New York is pretty great. I got to say, it's very exhaustive. I was really impressed. Did you did you go places? Did you go to Central Park? I go to a few. I went to a few places. I went to a park that might have been Central Park, but it was I wouldn't massive. know. Uh, no, it wasn't was a massive huge, park. Did it have uh, the death place of John Lennon? I didn't see it. Okay, I had had a pizzeria nearby. You know, in New York, there's probably only one or two pizzerias. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Can narrow that down. Yeah, I can't remember which one it was, and people were really annoyed <clears> by <throat> that because I said I didn't like it, and they were like, "What pizza place did you go to?" Yeah, yeah. People have very strong opinions about all of the foods that you mentioned in Twitter. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you probably managed to piss everyone off. <laughs> oh, man, there was such good cream cheese, though. Okay. Did you have it on a bagel or on a pizza? Yeah, it was on. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh. Uh, or a um, sorry, That's Philadelphia-style or... pizza. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, now that it has yeah, a name, so I want to like try it. It's like cream cheese and just steak. Uh, and, and cheese whiz and steak. Yeah. yeah. God, gross. God. It, it, was, it was on a bagel. Okay. It was on a bagel, and the bagel was okay. You know, it's like, I couldn't tell the difference between that bagel and, like, a bagel I would buy at a grocery store. Wow, you which, did like, not go to the right bagel it, place, it also might be, true. It also might be that I have no, like, bagel taste. It's a lot of, there's a lot of mouthfeel involved. <laughs> well, there was also a lot of cream cheese on there that was kind of masking the bagel okay. part. I... I did, I did find the time that I spent in New York that every place that you went to get a bagel, the bagels were good. And that is not true of more or less any other city. Like, I finally found mm. a place in San Francisco that has decent bagels. Okay. But it, you know, they will say, oh, it's the water from the Catskills. It's the particular mineral content of whatever. But it's probably not. I it, I don't know. They probably just, the, the Jews know how to make a better bagel. Are there Jews in California? Mm. They're all retired, though. Yeah, not making bagels anymore. I saw I went there this morning, actually. And I and if you go back to go to the bathroom, you walk right through the where all the bagels are being made in, uh, in the bathroom. Either that or I have mistake. Uh, I've mistaken the bagel boiling tank for a toilet. Yeah, <laughs> that's what that's the actual secret of yeah. the quality of those bagels. It's, <laughs> oh. it's the water I drank from the cat skills. <laughs> the water oh, you drank from a cat skull. Yep, that too. That too. Wasn't very much water. What, what what else did you do while you were in New York? Uh, I didn't have a lot of time. I was there for like three days, and one of them was like jet lag and talking. Um, and the other the, one was Tuesday. The third the third one was um, like I was there for six hours before the flight flight left. Um, so, but the middle day, I went to um, I went to the WeWork in Manhattan. There's a co working space. I got a little bit of work done there. Um. I tried all those food things I talked about, like jamming them all into one day. Into one meal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pizza and bagel and hot dog and what was the third? I forgot a pretzel as Giant well. bag of beans. <laughs> right. All on all on a slice of pizza. That, 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 that might actually explain why I didn't like it so much. 
Uh, WeWork was really impressive. Like the building, it's a co-working, it's like a co-working franchise. Yeah, there's one here in San Francisco. Right. And I don't know if they like funnel all their money into the New York one <laughs> because like it was, they owned the whole building. It was like a, a four story. It was almost, it looked, frankly, it looked like a repurposed mansion. Was it just filled in, with like telepresence mid- robots? <laughs> no, but it, there was a there was a bar and there were like rugs and murals and huh. it, it it was right in Midtown Manhattan. So I'm I'm like <clears throat> completely gu- guessing here, but I'm guessing the rent was like low to mid five figures, you know. Hmm. Um, and there weren't that many people working there, so <laughs> um, interesting. So I don't know if that was like. Yeah, yeah. My, my my current hypothesis is that, like all the profits they make go to sustaining that one uh, flagship store. Yeah, for for like events. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. guess here the rent is extremely expensive here, but co working space access is not terrible. It's actually fairly affordable as in terms of having a place. I mean, it's the same price that you'd pay for an entire apartment in another city. Well, sure. So yeah, okay. I mean, but is a, is a co-working space in that other city then just a dollar a month? They don't, they don't, there is no co-working space because no one lives there and right. works there. Everyone just owns, <laughs> everyone just buys a building to work in? Yeah. Mm, okay. How much co-working space in Detroit is worth? Hmm. They will probably pay, they you, pay you to, to yeah, go co-work there. And there. Work. Yeah. Oh man, then my company wouldn't need to be profitable. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. You would have to run at a slightly lower, lower magnitude. That's right. Negative. Yeah. Could, it could be, it could be a front. I um, after, so I, I am pretty that, sure I, that there are buildings that you can go into and do nothing that you don't have to pay for. Uh-huh, there, that's uh-huh. like a, a viable lifestyle. Really, a lot of places. Really, any place with buildings, that's pretty good. Like, just just wander into this like construction under construction building over here. Yeah, just don't do anything. Yeah. Be fine. They yeah. won't charge you. They won't charge you a red cent. Right. Uh, I also um, I mean, after that, I mostly just wandered Manhattan. Uh, which I feel like as is a reasonable use of my time. Yeah. Um, oh man. Yeah, sorry. You, like you've just given me sort of a, an idea, like going into buildings that are under construction, waiting for that one day when the drywall goes up mm. and then overnight building your own sort of living quarters in there by sort of making corridors about a couple feet wide along a bunch of walls. Mm. And, Maybe they'll never notice that they just lost a bunch of real estate. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then <coughs> listeners and then later, if any of you someone done will this, write a young adult fiction novel about the spooky ghost guy in the walls of Yep. Benedict Cumberbatch Tower. Sure. So have you guys stayed in hotels recently? I don't know why. A couple hotels. So I stayed at the Sheraton in uh in, in what there was it was one end of Brooklyn or the other, I forget which. Um Flatwick. Greenpoint. Prospect Bush. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know words. Um, And this was one of the... It it was like 20 stories, and it had like three elevators. Just tell us one. (laughs) So every every elevator was like in use all the time. Okay. You know, just like constantly in use. And so like... And there was some like... CS 101 students lisp program for managing the elevators in control of all of it. The winner of that contest. If he was like the, the, the guy operating the elevator, that would have helped a lot. I think, um, 
what they g- they gave me at the front desk a card and you're supposed to like the process is is like you go into the elevator and you put the card in the slot and then you remove the card from the slot and then you push your floor number and if your floor number matches the floor number on the card you, then you get to go to your floor <laughs> yeah you get a free game <laughs> you get you get to, to access your room oh, it's, okay. a, it's a pretty good prize um and i was confused by this and like there was a like a, a while i was being confused the elevator started filling up with more and more people staring at me being confused um and eventually one of them explained no you have to push the button too and i was like what but the they, it already knows the number because it's verifying it <laughs> yeah but that's to stop somebody from finding a card and that, being able to get that may actually be true yeah right yeah so that's my review but it does make the- it extremely confusing for all of the intended users right yeah and they didn't explain it um but i only needed it to be explained it was like a crowdsourced explanation i guess like it's it's like how when you license the unreal engine they don't provide any support they just put you on a mailing list with other unreal engine users um it they just uh, probably the guys waiting for this person like the elevator's never empty so probably the someone in the elevator will know how to use this thing yeah, because I mean, you wouldn't be able to like live in that elevator for very long, right? Some before somebody else used it, and would right. have to explain it so that you would stop being there. Do elevators do they put up drywall to construct them? Oh, inside elevators. Oh wait, wait. Oh, what man. about if you just no? You just put the drywall on every floor in front of one of the like elevator bays. Yeah. Huh, See, and then you just live in an elevator shaft. Yeah. Yeah, okay, you could look at you could check those uh, missile silos for decorating tips. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> just need Kevin, to uh, ladder. Kevin wanted me to tell two stories. Did uh, I? Yeah. One of them was a, a story of an injury that I sustained, and then the other I, one is a story of the I treatment for that injury. I can't stop listening. I know, it's great. I know. Oh that's, that's really just one story. So uh, when I when I got back here, I was rearranging the furniture in my bedroom, and uh, I had everything in weird spots, and I, there was a point at which I was I I specifically thought to myself... An adult would just walk around the bed to go where I want to be right now, (laughs) but I'm going to do a cool move. Uh And I sort of vaulted over the bed like parkour practice, and I hit my, I stubbed my middle toe on my left foot on the top of my nightstand so hard and so directly that the back half of the toenail popped free of the skin and the nail bed, and it just started gushing blood. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, so then I was yeah, like, he's making us listen to this. I have right? no idea what what's going to what happen that? to this. Were you barefoot at the time? No, I was wearing a sock. So I, you, I knew on my bloody <laughs> you knew because the sock was suddenly blood. Yeah. The sock suddenly was soaked with blood. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm going to sell this and then try and make an MMO. <laughs> that was what I said to myself. Kurt, shall we? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. What? Yeah. The, the <laughs> term is actually poop sock. Oh, no. <laughs> Blood socking. Kurt Kurt Schilling sold his poopy sock to make. This is the sock that I personally shit while raiding in EverQuest. It can be yours. Oh, God. Uh, So then I I was like, I'm going to see if this ever stops bleeding. And if it doesn't stop bleeding after a week, I'm going to just go to the doctor because I'm pretty sure that what I need is for for them to just remove the toenail the rest of the way. A blood transfusion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I went in and so first they, she was like, you know, you need, you probably should just, 
it will come off on its own eventually, but you might catch it on something and it will rip off and really hurt. So I could just take it off cleanly. That is what I would recommend. So the way that they anesthetize a toe is they have to like inject lidocaine into the bases of four nerves. You have four nerves like in equally spaced around each toe, like just going through the fat that is in, that is in between your bone and your skin, right? Cause there's no muscles in your toes. The skin on the bottom of your toe is too thick. It hurts like a son of a bitch, apparently, to get a needle through it, and it's also really sensitive. So, needle goes in, squirts into the top nerve, then goes all the way through your toe to squirt into the bottom nerve, and then comes out, same thing on the other side, and then they take what looked like a, like an eyeglasses screwdriver and just slide it under the toenail and kind of saw it back and forth to detach the toenail from the skin and then needle nose pliers just grrr, right under there and on top and then just sort of grab it and twist it back and forth until it comes off. Is there a video of this I can put in the show notes? <laughs> I think you can find a video of it asking to somebody. Set on fire without ever looking at it. <laughs> Just yeah. just listening to it just makes my skin crawl. Yeah, it's great. And, and so, my muscles tense up. And uh, it's so It's I'm so, so good. Awful. And we've shared this with the listeners. That, so, it's such a good idea. Why didn't they had, just get Kevin? a pair of nail clippers instead of this whole procedure? It just seems like you could just like, yeah, just jam some nail clippers just in there. Just keep nail clipping it until it's gone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I tried to cut the back of it with nail clippers, but it didn't really work and just kind of made it worse. And it's, uh, oh, man. Yeah, yeah boy. Is pretty. It's pretty good. You know, you guys never lost a toenail. Uh, nope. I lost a pinky toenail once, but it was so well, small. Actually, it wasn't that big a deal. My pinky toe is like just kind of jut up at an angle, mm-hmm. rather than covering the nail bed. So, like, whenever I'm cutting my toenails, that one just like just kind of I just kind of pull it off, and then it <laughs> it just comes off in one piece. Needle nose pliers. No, just kind of yanking. Oh, okay. <sighs> I don't want to. You mean that's what you're doing with the other hand while you're ever again. pulling your toenail? Right, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm into that shit. How about some listeners' mail? All right. Oh, do, do we have mail about toes? Can you search for mail about toes? <laughs> no, I don't know how to forward search on the iPad. <laughs> Greg says on episode 196, Riff took offense at Zach's suggestion that Hearthstone might be the best game on the iPad, instead mentioning another card game. Could you rehash the comparison of these two games? I must have missed the discussion the first time. Thanks. You were talking about Soul Forge, right? S O L F O R G E. It is just a standalone game. There's no like card collecting aspects of it, and I think I had a bad time with I think it. There is some, uh, and said that it was very confusing right. until Riff explained to me how it worked, and then I was like, "Oh, okay, this is actually pretty good," and played it some more. But then I just didn't get into it. Yeah, it definitely does not have the like crunchy, awesome, just mouth feel. That it, it does not has. have the polish that Hearthstone has. Yeah, that is that is true. Just the the, the tactile, yeah, elements of Hearthstone I are just know, I so. Do, I like the I like on. the the mechanics of Soulforge a lot more because it's not as it it allows you to recover from a, a bad deal, uh, much more gracefully. Whereas in whereas in Hearthstone, if you know if you get a bad draw. You're just you're just screwed because you're gonna be drawing you're not even gonna be drawing half your deck in the course of a game. Whereas in Soulforge, you're gonna be rotating through your entire deck two or three times in the course of a game. Um I so, do so the game does not live or die based on whether whether or not you happen to to draw the one important card in your deck. 
I do kind of feel like Hearthstone was not necessarily designed for games to be as short as they are. I think that the the meta that developed with, you know, millions of people, many of whom are better at these kinds of games than probably anyone who ever tested the game, resulted in much shorter games than... I mean, I can just... I Like, games are shorter than they were when Hearthstone first came out. Um, and I think a lot of that, like, now that that meta exists, they have to kind of do stuff to counter it, and then that makes shorter games even more accessible to other people. It, it, maybe. I don't know. Soulforge is fine. I It's one of those things like Ascension, though, where, boy, is it just not possible to give a shit about the actual <laughs> flavor and content of the it's, things. It's kind of generic. But although the the way that it... Soulforge has a mechanic where... Um, when when you all your cards are creatures if i if i recall correctly but once you've when you play one onto the field it's not the card that stays on the field you're expending the card to summon a monster on the field and then the card goes back into your deck oh but it like levels up and yes, goes back and into it your levels deck, right? up like, as yeah. it goes back into the deck so that next time you draw it it's a level two version of whatever that is and you and, just keep drawing through your deck over and over again yeah so it's... and and those the level ups have some really interesting stuff going on because you get situations where like you know this card this card is pretty lame as a level one card but if i manage to get a couple of them out and then draw the level three version the level three version has a power that is that is really powerful and and you know considerations like that makes it an interesting yeah i mean that's a different way of balancing those things that's interesting some of them start kind of strong but don't level up much right because they don't have a casting cost, right? Like you just you draw four right. cards you're, and you can play drawing, three of them think, yeah, or something. Uh, it was something like that, like five cards and you play two or four cards oh, okay. or something. I don't. I, it's like I, it's been a while since I played it. It was yeah, designed by Richard like Garfield. It's pretty. It's. Yep. I mean, it's a good game. I yeah. do just think that Hearthstone is just much better. I the, I I feel like Soulforge is a good game that was built from the ground up as a good strong game, whereas. Hearthstone seems more to me like they took away everything they could from Magic the Gathering while having it still be a decent game. That's sort of a weird contention. The mechanics a, in Hearthstone are not really similar to mechanics Yeah, in Magic. there's a lot of stuff going on that is pretty different than Magic. Like, fundamentally, attacks are targeted instead of always just you're attacking the other side of the board. Creatures have hit points. Yeah, persistent well, health. That, I mean, the, I feel like I feel like magic would have had a persistent health if it had been created for as a digital game rather than well, yeah. Yeah, that's sure. probably true, but it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. true. Doesn't right? I mean, it, like getting rid of land and just having the mana gems is a is a major difference. That's well, I think that's way more that's accessible. A, uh, well, that's part of part of what I'm. Part of what I'm getting at that that's well, they they simplified uh, all the colors of mana into one color and you just get one every turn. Well, but there's but then they have the classes, right? So there's those are sort of like colors that you can use one of and then mm. neutral cards to to round it out. But there's you know eight colors instead of. I mean, clearly, nine, clearly, nine. there's you know, magic is definitely an inspiration, but I feel like it's a it's a pretty significantly different game. 
I mean, it's fine if you don't like it. And Riff, you also, wasn't it. wasn't there a lot of criticism about Soulforge over just being a magic clone? You're thinking of Hex. Yeah, oh, I'm thinking of Hex. Hex. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I think that lawsuit is still going. Matthew writes, you mentioned Across Five Aprils, and I hadn't thought of that book in years. That was the book that taught me caffeine withdrawal was a real thing. The mother's headaches when she gives up coffee are the, literally the only thing I remember from the book. <laughs> well, I didn't remember that at all, but I do remember learning that that was a real thing when I was about 20. Like, from stopping drinking coffee? You no, know, just accidentally not drinking coffee in a day and getting oh, yeah. a terrible headache and not understanding why. Yeah, going yeah, camping yeah. and like, oh, God, what have I done? Yep. <laughs> I'm yeah. allergic to camping. <laughs> oh, uh, Blaine writes, in episode 195, you asked if the Flintstones were the Honeymooners, who were the Jetsons? Some suggestions were made, but nobody mentioned the Jeffersons. That apartment in the sky was pretty deluxe. The oh. Jeffersons. Except the Jeffersons didn't have any kids. Oh, yeah, that's true. Wasn't the Jeffersons, like, a, a decade later? Uh, yeah, also that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, was, that was a more, a more, uh, that objection has more primacy. Oh, okay. I think you're probably right. <laughs> Uh, Cheesy Bottom says, Hey, friendo, speaking of controls for games, have any of you played Midnight Resistance? It's a Contra-like game where the top of the joystick is a knob that you have to turn to rotate the direction your gun is pointing. Awkward? It, I... All of the ones that I have seen, Midnight Resistance does have a super weird control scheme, but it's not exactly what this guy describes. There is a joy... It's a... It's sort of a twin-stick shooter-ish thing. You're... you're it's a side-scroller. You have a joystick that just moves your guy around, and you're on, like, a jetpack. And... Wait a minute. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. I am thinking of something else. No, he's right about Midnight Resistance. It, you, I think it might have been a heavy barrel conversion. It was like one of those okay. games that has that was the, what the, I joy, was the joystick that rotates. The yeah, sort of thing is heavy barrel or uh, Akari like Warriors. Akari Warriors. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. I don't. I don't find that to be awkward at all. Actually, I like that set of controls. I don't remember what game I'm thinking of that is that you it's side on and it's two guys. It's co op and the controls are a joystick and then a knob, which rotates your gun, which is itself a giant button that you push down the knob to fire the gun. Hmm. Yeah, Midnight Resistance is, has gravity and yeah, wow. I was, what was what was the time pilot control scheme like? Time pilot was just a joystick and a fire button, and you just really? fired okay. in the direction that the plane was going. And it was, I think, it was eight way, or maybe it was more than eight way movement. Um. There was another game called like Time Lords or something that I think did use the same joystick that you rotate. Um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't ever find that style to be particularly awkward. The knob that was also the button was rough. Like Tron was fine, right? Because you had a knob and then you had a joystick with a trigger. Mm -hmm. And so that felt pretty natural, but maybe it's just because I played a shitload of Tron. I don't know. Hey, speaking of playing a shitload of Tron, has anybody played a shitload of Tron or any other video games? I played. Um, uh, I played Broken Age. Oh yeah. Oh, how is how is that? It's, had, had, were you just playing? Had you previously played Chapter One, or were did you? Play I, them I had all played like through? fifteen minutes of Chapter One. Okay. So I played this time. I just started over and played all the way through. Um, and it's it's very. Like, if you want to play another game like Day of the Tentacle, this is really good. Um, I lost patience with it really fast and ended up, like, going to, through a walkthrough from probably half the puzzles. Hmm. Just because I was not interested in that stuff, apparently. Just in terms of trying to figure out what to rub against the, uh, the other things or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially given that, like, some of the stuff is, like, 
time sensitive and like so execution is sometimes actually difficult huh like physically and so like if if it turns out you're you made a mis it's it's so sometimes that makes it hard to know whether or not you're doing it wrong or if you just took too long okay you know does it have um, a f- like a multi save slot kind of paradigm or it i never so i there's a there's a manual save and it has multiple slots but i didn't see any load interface okay so like maybe if you back out to the main menu you can do that um but i never you felt just played the need it through in a single that. shot was that? You just played it through in a single shot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never huh. felt the need to, to fork time. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a game that like is extremely polished in many ways, like much more so than in many ways than um, early nineties te- early nineties graphical adventures. But in other ways, is just like just as obtuse and hmm. and poorly hinted. Hmm. And um, and like if you if that's exactly what you want, then it's great. It's exactly what you want, and that's probably what you backed the Kickstarter for. And so what I back, I backed the Kickstarter for, thinking it's what I wanted, <laughs> but it turns out not so. Well, I mean, I still enjoyed it though. Like I still really liked it. I still uh, enjoyed the story. Um, so I, I'm not annoyed. I just like I'd felt no compunctions about going to a walkthrough for it. And did you just early and often like you didn't? Yeah. Yeah. I always feel guilty the first time I go to a walkthrough playing yeah. a game. And then after the first time I do it, the seal is broken. And I just yep. then yep. feel like my experience is then just fundamentally compromised. And that's why I feel guilty is because I know that the first <laughs> time I do it is going to be the first of every time that anything is even a little bit challenging. Yeah. Me. I mean, I, I made a decision before I started playing that like if I. I have a like sort of an adversarial relationship with adventure games these days. And so I knew I would probably go to a walkthrough. So I just decided at the beginning, as soon as I got stuck, I would just look it up. I, my experience with going to the walkthrough is that it is, it is almost always, I like, I, I almost always feel bad after looking at the walkthrough because I think that's something I totally could have figured out myself, except I, I overlooked something dumb or did not think to look at whatever. Like, right. or like I, misinterpreted I totally, a, yeah, or misinterpreted, misinterpreted a, a clue. Was so that is, that is often or, a like, yeah. oh, of course it makes sense in the context of knowing what it was supposed to be hinting at, but like, yeah. I don't know. In a way, I find that actually sort of interesting as a tool for analyzing the way in which insight-driven puzzles work, because you can see the ways in which things, oh, this totally makes sense as a clue for this thing, and yet I, a smart guy who is interested in solving puzzles, just did not get it at all. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a useful thing to be aware of. Play anything else, Jim? I um, so at some point someone ported ported Quake to Flash. Whoa! Um, and I think flash? they just to uh, um, Adobe Flash. Yeah. The uh, you know the to and embedded it in a website, and it was it was a weird case of like they couldn't really. I'm not sure if this is a Flash limitation or not, but they couldn't make mouse look work. Hmm. Um, because 
Uh, Flash can't capture the cursor, right? So uh, that's my guess is what happened. Yeah. And so I ended up playing with like WASD and then arrow keys to look around, which is fine. You know, I mean, I guess that's how you would play it back then when you didn't necessarily have a mouse. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I guess uh, I didn't do that. I would, I would use like page up and page down back before I switched to the mouse. Or, or, and, and just look up and down as little, as little as possible, but it's a lot more natural to have like a, a simulated mouse look for me now. And so I was like, it was like going back to, you know, that era of, um, and Quake was a big part of my, you know, teen years. Not, I never played multiplayer much, but just like the single player stuff and the, the, um, speed running scene. Hmm. And so going back to that, um, they, they only had the shareware episode. Uh, but hmm. playing playing through that was super interesting and like just comparing like level design then to level design now. The um, speedrunning scene for Quake is still going. Like just the yeah. other day on like Speed Demos Archive, somebody posted some new records on a couple of those levels. Yeah, yeah, I, and I, I that prompted me to look at um at what recent posts and they're, they're not actually that frequent. They're like every six months or so. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember when, um, uh, the, the quake done quick people actually put out a new, a new video, but it was less than five years ago. So I think it was like, uh, uh, all four episodes, nightmare, 11 minutes or something like that. Pretty crazy. Man. As I recall, those are, like the System Shock 2 speedruns, those are incomprehensible because they often rely on you doing something that doesn't make any sense that causes some physics bug or something. The, the Quake, so this might be because I played Quake a lot, but I can follow the Quake um, speedruns and they never do things like um, go out of bounds. Um, there, There's a lot of like uh, explosion jumps explosion propulsion mm. um and so like they do surprising things but oh oh and like the other weird thing is like the is bunny hopping which is just just a very weird like movement like changing directions in a very specific way lets you go in another direction faster um oh. sort of an evolution of the um the strafe running in doom where like if you moved forward and to the side at the same time you would move the square root of two times as fast as you normally would all right um i think it's related to that i haven't actually looked at the math and i never learned to do it myself but that stuff is that stuff is weird so like i totally get if you like are just turned off by that but um it's generally pretty comprehensible but like again that's to someone who's played those levels a lot and knows them uh, I remember one of the um, one of the Quake Done Quick uh, releases coming with a really comprehensive README file detailing the history of speedrunning uh, Quake, and, and like with pretty in-depth explanations of how each trick worked, um, which might help if you're interested in digging deep into that stuff. But I also that's like I don't know maybe that might that's a little bit of an investment to like. I might be into this if I knew more about it, so I'm just going to read a textbook on it, you know? <laughs> Anything else? Uh, should I keep going? I played uh, I played Super Muzzle Flash. 
Oh, okay. After uh, after Kevin talked about it, and that game is, I was really frustrated by the tuning of it. Oh yeah. Where like it's it, too slow at the beginning and too hard at the top end. It, yeah, it, it it takes a while to ramp up, and it ramps up in like weirdly discrete increments. Like it's suddenly everything's going like twenty percent faster or something like that. That's what it feels like anyway. Um, and also like the the gimmick of the game is that. Um, you have to go at a certain pace or the world goes dark, you know, and you have to remember where things are, remember where things are going and predict. Um, but after playing for a couple of hours, I had stopped losing because I, because of the light and I only lost because like things are moving too fast and I mistapped or I hit those little blue guys who, who are the anti-targets. Because you're always tapping at the right time to keep the light going. That becomes yeah sort of a, a non-part of the game, except for the fact that it's setting a pace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe that's fine. I don't know. And then I played uh, Super Hexagon, yeah, which okay. is the game that Super Muzzle Flash was clearly trying to be in terms yeah. of like the user experience and the pacing. And Super Hexagon is still really fucking good. Yeah. That's, that's one of those games. There's almost nothing to say about it. Because yeah. it's so simple. But it's it's good because of the way that it is tuned, and only yep. because of the way that it is tuned. Like, yes, exactly. It's, uh, like, I mean, music is so Flappy, Flappy Bird, same, and mm-hmm. Crossy Road, to some extent, too, although I feel like that's a little more random. I, I think, but yeah, no, I, but to the extent that Crossy Road is good, that's why. Pancake Flip. Yeah, yeah. It's just Pancake. Right, I keep yeah. yeah, that's pancake flip. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> In my heart. And then after that, I just started listening to the Super Hexagon soundtrack. Yep. So, all chips all, all the time. Yes. Yeah. Oh, they released the fall. Uh, uh, Fallout New Vegas Sunless Sea <laughs> soundtrack on Bandcamp. Oh, cool. Um, so I bought that thinking I would add it to my stable of work and music, and then it was too spooky. I was about to say it was too slow. <laughs> it didn't get any work. It done. took too long to get from the one side of the track to the oh, other. Oh, sick burn. Yeah. So on only me, for I working guess. on Halloween then. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Working on a really slow Halloween. Working on Halloween, but getting started in May. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Perfect. Eventually, you'll probably be working on some horror bit of something or other, and. I oh, mean, I'm almost always working on some kind of horror. I mean, he had that whole body horror experience yeah. to put all of us through. <laughs> yeah, earlier oh, I was right, working yeah. on body horror. That was pretty good. I uh, I played a bunch of... I've been playing the Daily Challenge on Arcane Tower. Oh, uh, yeah. On the phone, on the iPhone. It is so good. It is... Like, it was neat to play games as that guy made them and see Learn. him eventually make a game that was just so, so good, which is Arcane Tower. Like... It is, it, it's just really, really well done. Uh, and you, you were, I was beating you at the daily challenge for a little while and then you just immediately started kicking my ass because you've just figured out. So you can watch playthroughs yeah. of any, you can just click on any guy on the leaderboard and just watch a playthrough of them. And like the guy who made the game is usually at the top of the leaderboard <laughs> and you can just watch what he does. Uh, but it's not always comprehensible. The the playthrough goes pretty fast. That's a really cool feature, by yeah. the way. Yeah, like, it really is. It really, really is. Yeah. It's also kind of fascinating when it gets desynced, like something happens. Right. Like it doesn't store an instruction or something, and then it, you're just watching it like, why is this guy running one into the wall? The, and then he one dies. One of the things that like, drives me crazy about just a game development these days 
in general, I guess, is that floating point numbers are not consistent. They don't behave consistently across platforms. They are optimized for, um, for speed and for precision as opposed to consistency. Hmm. And so, like, it's weird that precision and consistency are not the same. Yeah, thing. no, they, 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 as long as the error range is small, it can be an error in any direction. Mm. Um, and so, like, if you have floating, floating point governing the physics of your game, you, I think you're pretty safe as long as it's operating on the same CPU. But if you're playing it back on a different CPU, then it's going to behave slightly differently. It's really infuriating. Hmm. What else? That's a game design corner. Yeah, I played. Uh, I played like half an hour of the new standalone Wolfenstein: The New Order prequel, Wolfenstein: The Old Blood. And so the only criticism that I've seen of this game online is that it's just more of the same and like didn't really do anything new or bring anything new to the table the way that the new order did. But as somebody who really, really liked the new order, I am so down for more of the same of that. And it seems pretty good so far. It's like you're you're actually just in Castle Wolfenstein again. Which is another thing that I think disappointed people. You know, because there were all sorts of crazy environments. <laughs> did that, they did they reuse the levels from Wolfenstein One? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, you know, there there must be nods. I don't really. Re- I never played a ton of Wolfenstein One. It was. Can you click in on a Wolfenstein picture the of New Order? It opens up. There was right. a there was a poster that you could interact with that would just run an emulated version of. Wolf. It wasn't even emulated, right? I think they just used, they made a little version of it using Wolf, Wolfenstein 3D textures, but I want to say yeah, you had your regular it, gun It probably opened the- a, a, a copy of Internet Explorer pointing at the archive.org <laughs> right. emulation of it. Uh, and if you clicked on the baseboard, you could play Wolfenstein 1D. Um, oh, nice. But yeah, it's a, it looks cool. And I'm going to keep playing it because I want more of that guy because he's funny and uh, there, you know, there's a lot of jokes. There's a lot of there like right when you get into the thing, there's like these vending machines and it's like, oh, they made like eight different fake German cigarette brands and <laughs> did packaging design for them or whatever. Nice. And I'm like, you know, that's cool. Yeah. I'm going to look yeah. at all of those and appreciate the work that somebody did that they were probably pretty proud of in coming up with these jokes. And then next to that, there's one that's also a bunch of candy bars. And then next to that, there's one that's a bunch of soda. Oh, so man. It's like they're just burning all of their cigarette <laughs> brand jokes at the beginning of the game. <laughs> well, I don't know. There might be more cigarette machines later. Like every level they have. brands. Yeah. <laughs> like a couple of years pass and the styling changes. And yeah. Um, Oh man, I want to play a game that's just that now. There was cool, but it was like K U with an umlaut H L. Uh-huh. That's not that's not bad. Pretty good. Yeah, that's awesome. Pretty good. Um, anyway, I tried to take a screenshot, but I could not figure out how to take a screenshot. Like, it, you, you take out your phone, you point it at the point screen. it at the screen, and take a photograph. Yeah, god damn it. I don't want that to be the way that that works, but for whatever reason, like a lot of the time when I take a screenshot now, I go to paste it and it's just black. And I don't know if that's just some weird Copy issue protection. with the video card or multiple monitors problem or something. Oh, I don't know. Multiple monitors. I've actually. seen it happen where like I'm running a game windowed and if I take a screenshot, everything but that window mm-hmm. gets pasted. It's I'm not sure exactly what's going on there. It, it, fuck you. That's what's going on. Yeah, like, presumably uh, like oh, yeah. cool. We're the gonna... video card is like, 
Like, we know what you wanted, because if we didn't know what you wanted, we couldn't have done this. We could not have (laughs) fucked it up this bad unless we knew what the target was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, presumably it's like looking at the uh, one frame buffer and there's being another frame buffer being composited in before it gets to the monitor. But, like, it's it's annoying. It's super annoying. Are these Windows screenshots or are you screenshotting from within Steam? Oh, I don't know. Steam has its own That's... screenshot controls that you can customize. So that maybe, might, maybe I, you can get that to work. I bet the Steam screenshot functionality is smarter about that stuff. I bet it's more capable of taking screenshots than Windows-style screenshots. Man, I had been using this utility at work called GreenShot uh, that, that uh, Paolo, the Campo Santo shader programmer, told me about that... What it does is it intercepts you hitting print screen and then just gives you a reticle that you can then draw a rectangle on the screen. And it just takes a a shot of that, which was is super handy. But it took a while to trigger this one time. I forgot that it was installed and I was like, what the fuck? Why isn't this working? And so I just hammered on print screen a bunch of times, which then just opened like 40 copies of this program and just ground my computer to a halt. Nice. That's like. Yeah, <laughs> it's a disaster. They like kill each process individually in the task manager. It took a really long time to recover from. There's a, a blunder. If you use task kill, um, you can kill all um, on the command prompt. You can kill all processes with the same executable name. Ah, which is useful. Ah, okay. I'm learning all kinds of things. You taught yeah. me how to paste text without uh, pasting formatting. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's well, I forget what it was now. Like shift control shift control v. shift yeah. v. Yeah, yeah. Did you know, uh, and I found this to be incredibly handy using multiple monitors, if you hold down the Windows key, you can use right and left to move Windows around. Like, if you hit Windows left, it will make a window exactly half of the screen on the left side. And if you open another window and hit Windows right, it will make it exactly the right half of the monitor. And oh. so you can just arrange windows as though you had twice as many screens as you did if you're okay with some narrower windows. And I use that all the time and didn't learn about that it. That does sound I- useful. Right now, I just op- use everything maximized all the time, mm. which is probably not optimal. I, my work requires me to have a bunch of different web browsers open all the time. And sure. so I just sort of yeah. like actually having them in different spots so that I can like reference a list on one thing while I work at another tab. Do you Man, know, does that uh, green shot, does that also like have upload functionality? I don't think that it does. So many things will let you just paste. I did not know this. If you're composing a Gmail in the Gmail web interface, you can just copy an image and then just paste it and it will just put the image in the email. Hmm. Same with a Google Doc. Uh, same with Slack. Um, That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Like that is apparently a thing that has just been like made available to the dom so does maybe does Greenshot like just put the image in the clipboard it will yeah that's That's cool okay that that, that just makes it super easy it is really nice for just showing somebody like oh there's an error on this thing and taking a screenshot of just the part that you want them to see and not your 40 other tabs of weird porn right (laughs) which is often identifiable from the titles yeah i made a, a joke vine um involving my screen uh, like a week ago, and I ended up remaking it because I was like, oh, I want to, like, close half of these tabs first. Right. The embarrassing ones. <laughs> yeah. Also, the Frog Fractions 2 spoiler ones. You play anything, Kevin? 
yeah, a couple things. Um, played a game called The Cave of Atman, uh, which is a sort of strategic uh, puzzler game that's sort of themed like an RPG. You you have little characters that you are trying to kill skeletons with, um, and the order that you kill the skeletons is sometimes important because they drop essences, which you can use to level up your other characters. And uh, it's just really, it's just really tight and co- like coherent and and a good sort of puzzle game. Uh, I feel like it would have probably been made in puzzle script if it had been around back when they made it. Um, and then uh, I played. You have to burn the rope, which I might have talked about. Once before, a, I feel that's like a classic. That's old, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't, rem- I, I never, I definitely have played it before, but I have forgotten about it, and I don't know if I've ever mentioned there's it a, before. Uh, there's a reference to it in Kingdom of Loathing that I wrote somewhere. I think. Oh, okay. Um, so player, players, listeners should uh, should check that out if they've never yeah. encountered it. It's on Congregate and probably other places. It's probably like a five minute game. Yeah. Yep. Super short. Yep. Uh, make sure that your audio is on. Uh, and then uh, I bought Metamorphobet because it is mm. it is out for have you, iPhones. Have now. you played that yet? I played it at GDC a little bit. Uh, but I finally got to play all the way through it. And what it's I did too. Super what is it? Yeah, I don't. I played a bunch of it and I don't really know what it is either. It it's seemed kind of like a toy, toy for yeah. like. It seemed like, like a thing for like kids. Windows right. Basically. Like yeah, it's it's a lot. I mean, like, I I think it would probably be a fun thing to play with a child. Sure, uh, but it's I mean it's just a cool reactive animation toy. All right, yeah. yeah. Same, I mean, so, yeah. that, the, the, the guy who made it is the same, I'm pretty sure he's the same guy that did Windersill and uh, Vector Park online. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's definitely yeah. Vector Park. Huh, okay. Yeah, all, all his stuff is, is that sort of interesting animated toy. Yeah, yeah. Like the, I, sort, of, the sort of Samorost style. Yeah, kind of. Samorost is a little more not, not like puzzly, yeah. but, but the way Samorost is, but yeah, that's sort of. But it's the same kind of thing, right? It's like yeah. just well, Vector Park was it? Like I feel like Vector Park was very similar to Samorost. Anyway, Metamorphobed is like a tablet game or phone, yeah. phone game where it's just like it's like a letter and it turns into a thing and you, the things that start with that letter. It's like like it's just like a sort of weirdly interactive children's book. Yep. Thing. Yep. But super super pleasant. Very, very are charming. There, are there like things to like things to discover, exploration, puzzles? It's all sort of linear, right? Like it's very linear. You, I mean, that you can sort of stick around for as long as you want in a given letter and mess around with it. And I don't know that there's anything that I would classify as a puzzle that I found. Maybe there is more to it. Sure. Um, but I also only spent twenty or thirty minutes playing through it. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like these days what I'm looking for in games is less, like, challenge and more just, here's a cool reactive thing. Yeah, I mean, this is super whimsical and, and kind of neat. And it's and there's a lot of joy in figuring out the ways in which you can interact with the... Okay, I, the, would, I would count that as a puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's about it. Nothing nothing serious. I've been, I've been messing around a little bit with the uh, Melbourne University puzzle hunt that's going on right now. But mm. oh, the muff. The, well, it's mums, but but yeah. Um, there's some good puzzles, but it's like active and going on, so I don't really want to talk about them in case anybody's. Make notes of the things that are worth okay talking about for next week. Did the um 
the MIT, the mystery hunt uh, thing ever open up? To- that is an excellent question. I have not looked, gone back and looked at it, um, but I should do that. And we can maybe we can put it in the show notes if it has, because there were some really, really great puzzles in there that I think the listeners would love to dive into. Oh, yeah. Oh, Jenny, right. When you show them to us, we had to have them. To, to one that yeah. was all about the anime One Piece. I, I never got around to going back and trying to actually solve it. What does that mean, anime One Piece? Oh, is the, the, the name, name of the anime, anime is, the name is One Piece. One okay. piece yeah. I was imagining like a like some sort of like uh, a like swimsuit, a pajama, uh, yeah, or like it's just one episode, <laughs> right? Riff, video uh, games. Other than the same stuff I've been playing, I really only played one new thing. I played a little bit of. Uh, a game called uh, Lifeline, uh, which is, I believe it's an iWatch game, but it also runs on the phone. Uh, it's a sort of a little uh, uh, choose-your-own-adventure-y kind of thing. The The setup is that there's the this, uh, this uh, biology student has basically won the this educational science lottery and got to do some... Uh, zero g rat experiments on a on a space station or a spaceship or something orbiting alpha centauri but there is uh, some sort of horrible crash and he has crash landed on a, a moon and there and as far as he knows there are no other survivors and he radios for help and apparently the only person that can pick up his distress beacon is you on your watch or your phone. So the way it plays is he, you know, he, uh, it, it's sort of like a, a text message conversation. He he says, you know, what his current situation is, what's going on. And you get two buttons of a, a choice to, you can tell him to, you know, the, like, I think the first choice is maybe you should go, check out those weird looking pyramids or maybe you should go check out the crash site and it plays out in real time so if it takes him three hours to walk from where his escape pod landed to where the crash site is then it it takes three hours of actual time before you get another notification on your phone with him saying okay i'm i've arrived here's what i what i see here's what's going on and it, it was kind uh, of so interesting. So it's like ex- extra solar in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's cool. It's, I, it's, it was made by a friend neat. of mine. It's, oh, yeah? Um, yeah, it's, a, it's part of the, it's one of the three-minute games. Oh, huh. Games. Oh. So, Wait, he made it in three minutes? No. Uh, oh. it's, it's, the company is three minute games. Okay. I didn't, so, uh, is this, is this the, uh, like the fun zone? Is this Colin? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't know that that was the name of what was their game? What was their company called before? Uh, well, it, it was, it was acquired by big fish. Right. Self-aware. Oh, self-aware. Okay. The name of it before. What am I thinking of that has, this starts with fun. Phenomena. Oh, that's Robin Haneke's company. Yes. Okay. But no, wait. <clears throat> is there another thing? I don't know. Funimetrics. Okay. Fungible play. <laughs> um, Social concepts. Man, some goddamn. You learn too many words when funicular. you're networking. <laughs> yeah, this way to the funicular. Uh, from such classic video games as Heavy Barrel with the weird joystick has one <laughs> level that takes place on a funicular. Uh, Do you have any funicular jokes in Kingdom of Loathing? I don't think so. Oh man, there's not. 
there's not any real sense of moving from place to place in Kingdom of Loathing. That's what so makes it extra funny. Well, extra <laughs> funicular. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Funicula is like a vampire funnel. <laughs> you just pour your blood into it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Oh, I got it. I just wasted it every fucking time. This is... Who made me? <laughs> but yeah, my. Uh, do- my my first mm. my first playthrough the story was pretty short uh, and I haven't gotten I I have not initiated a second run yet because I was a little bit annoyed by the first run because the, <laughs> the 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 decision point that that ended up killing the dude I I I made the decision that I felt was was definitely the correct and reasonable and logical choice given the information I had and and he died and I, I was like man well that's that's not fair. <laughs> yeah, sometimes people die, though. Yeah, but I'm, I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll start another one before long. I'm sure. It's, uh, it's, it's wanna... I liked the writing. It's pretty good. Do you guys want to talk about the assignment then, sure. Lisa? The sure. painful sure. RPG. The is that what it's called? It pain- Can we say no? That you don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Yeah. Do you not want to talk about it? No, I, I'll talk about it. I'm just like, you just, this is how you always t- initiate this segment. And I'm just wondering, like, if we said no, would we just skip it? You could keep talking about something else and I could try to edit the weird awkwardness out of it instead of running the show. <laughs> I kind of yeah. want to talk about uh, Hero You for a minute. Oh, yeah. Do that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I got an email today that was a little disconcerting, which they're talking about how they are going. So, the, I, they had a Kickstarter maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago, for sort of a modern uh, hero university, you know, sort of Heroes Quest sort of game. This and is the people that made Heroes Quest, which yeah. you, our younger listeners might know as Quest for Glory. Right. Are younger. Like, the, our listeners who are 34 12. instead of 39 <laughs> might know it as Quest for Glory. Right. <laughs> that is the name I know it has. <laughs> like, so. And... So they had this Kickstarter uh, that, you know, they sort of blew through all of that Kickstarter money. And it's been years. I don't know that you can say they blew through it. I think well, they, 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 they have gone through it uh, and spent some time spending down their own savings. And now to, and the game is nowhere near complete. And now they're launching a second Kickstarter to try to raise the second half of the money or the second installment do, of do the money. Do we know what? what they have do they have anything to show for their past couple of years a real bad demo really yeah it's it it is i have very little confidence in their ability to make a modern game so it ended in november of 2012 so it was two and a half years and how much did they get four hundred thousand yeah from hmm. so right like i mean that's i don't know Depending on how big their team is. I mean, it, well, I wish that, I wish that, you know, they produced a demo and it sucked and they were like, well, this sucked. The reason it sucked is because the character was a sprite instead of a fully articulated 3D thing. Here's oh. one two years later with the fully articulated 3D thing. And it's like, no, this still is it, sucks. Is it the same demo? It's very, very similar. I don't think they understand why the uh, the first one was, was super uninteresting. There were also a lot of, there were a lot of jokes in the content that failed 
on a fundamental level for me. Yeah. (laughs) At least because they were like, they were like the kind of jokes that we would make if we were bad at our job. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, Oh, this reminds me of a sentence. I'm just gonna type that sentence. Oh, from something else as opposed to like, okay, is there any way to then make that funny and do that? Like, construct a joke out of a out of a nod to something else or or you know or not just construct a joke right as opposed to just like i'm gonna say something that is just a line from a song do we know if what this team size was for the quest of glory games i don't like i was thinking about this i was thinking about i was thinking about um conquer's bad fur day which is a game i liked um for the n64 and the uh, lead on that project was Chris Seaver, who is now working on... I mean, he's working on a new Conquer thing for, like... It's part of a, uh, like, a sort of a game-making tool, maybe. I'm not really sure what's going on. But a couple of years ago, he made a uh, Endless Runner kind of a thing called Parachute Stan. And it was just awful. Just really, really bad. And um I feel like... A lot of the time when you have a designer working on a thing, they're, they're relying on the expertise of a lot of other people. Like, for example, probably the gameplay programmers did a lot of the systems design in, uh, in Conquer's Bad Fur Day. Like, almost certainly, like, those are the people who actually made it fun to play as opposed to, like, the, the, the lead designer. There were about a dozen people. Okay. Yeah. Who made Heroes Quest. Yeah. Um, and even just being in the context of a company like Sierra, like they're surrounded by people they can go to for design advice and who are even going to come to them if their game isn't doing well, you know, if they test, if they check it out and it's just <coughs> sucking. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of context that is probably gone here. Yeah. Um, and they're just trying to make it a modern tool that they had no familiarity with, which right. I think is also a little rough. Yeah. Uh, on a happier note, um, there's also a, a there's a similar Kickstarter called Ukulele, uh, which is uh, now that I say it out loud, that's terrible. Um, it's Y O O K A dash L A Y L E E. Yeah, those are the two names of the protagonists. I did not get the ukulele thing until you just until you said it out loud just now. Yeah. I mean, I mean, before that, it was called Project Ukulele. I see. That was the code name for it, and it was uh, it's it's a project by the team that made um, Banjo Kazooie. Banjo Kazooie. They actually they also made Goldeneye, but that's less relevant. But that's also like, yeah, it's the Goldeneye team making a new game. It's pretty cool, right? Huh. Um, yeah. At which actually, that means um, it must be the same people who made the Time Splitters series and uh, Hayes. And after Hayes, it makes sense that they would need to find a new job. Hey, that reminds oh. me of a joke that I made up in the 90s. Uh-huh. What kind of modem did Jimi Hendrix use? A purple. Oh. A purple Hayes compatible. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll allow it. All right. Um, and so they're, they're, uh, they're, they're getting money to... Uh, to they, they apparently, like, already were self-funding it. So this is just for, like, extras, like... Recording with an orchestra. (laughs) Yeah. And that's one of the things, like they asked for, I Uh, think $500,000. I thought it was like a hundred K or something. Cause they blew through it. They blew. They they did. They finished it in like less than an hour. Yeah. They uh, they were fully funded. 
Um, they, they 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 talk about the stretch goals like in in detail, so you can go look that stuff up. But down at the bottom, if you look at the fact, it says, "Isn't this a little cheap for a for a, a character platformer?" Um, and yeah, apparently they were already going to make it with their own money, and this is just for like it's basically a pre order thing, sure, and also like to pay for extra cool shit. Um, they they went way past because they're, they're over a million pounds yeah yeah they're like two and a half million dollars now wow yeah it's gonna cost a fortune to ship yeah oh i get it puns um so i don't know i'm i i really liked banjo kazooie so i'm excited for this you really didn't want to talk about the assignment <laughs> yeah no fuck that <laughs> fuck that game <laughs> So Lisa, do you want to talk about assignment. the assignment? No. No. I so <laughs> I I there are so many things about this game that I actually really liked and mm-hmm. it was so frustrating yeah. that you had to play this game to, to see it. get to yeah. them. Yeah. It, and it was largely I think this was like an RPG maker game where they just faked a 2D platformer. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's a with a 3D top-down thing, and it's just made it so terrible. Like, <laughs> the distance between save points and the ease with which you could just walk off a fucking ledge and die is unconscionable. Uh, well, except for the fact that I feel like that's the point of the is game. Is wasting a bunch of your time? I mean, I feel like the point Waste, of the game like, is like the grim I, I, atmosphere. Dim is dim. Death is around every corner. I yeah. think, I think that's, like wasting a bunch of your time is is a recurring theme in this game, and it, it seems like it must be deliberate. Yeah, it seemed like the fights had like ten times as many hit points on those guys as was necessary the, to, to have a fight. They're all... They're all meant to be able to kill you if you're not doing the right thing. The combat wasn't super interesting and you're no, like you didn't you couldn't really grind, but it had all the tropes of a game where you could grind. Like, what, so, oh, if you if you one of your party members gets killed, they don't earn any experience. But then, like, maybe there's only like a handful of fights was so there was a to. there was a, a option it asked early on, like the pain do, do you mode? Want pain mode. Is that a difficulty selector? I don't know. I, I selected normal mode. I did normal, yeah. too. And it was it was still pretty. It was hard in that way where if like a bunch of die rolls go badly, you lose. Yep. Yeah. Like, which I is didn't... not a fun way for it to be hard. How, how far did you play into it? Hour and a half. About the same. Yeah, I, I played got... about an hour and I yeah. never got, like I did, I always did the the buster punches or whatever it was called. Yep. The thing that the tutorial teaches you how to do. Yep. And I never came anywhere close to losing a fight. Well, I just, I never lost a fight. I just, all of my other party members were constantly dead. I, it teaches I, you how to use campfires to recover your, all of your dudes, but then just never gives you another campfire. Yeah, there's like <laughs> one campfire. I, I I played, I'm not sure how long I played. I played until I got stuck, which is when I I found like the the path that, that takes you to the giant mutant guarding the bicycle, and I found the path that takes you to like six red army goons that attack you, and those were the only two paths I found, and I could not beat either of those fights i was like well i guess that's it the movement was so slow and the environments so similar to one another that i just had really no interest in exploring because it didn't it man i tried to go back I, like i set all the children on fire and tried to go back you have to do it you have to do it yeah there's no yeah. choice but to not do that yeah, yeah. it's super frustrating um it i really like the 
tone and I actually yeah. really like the writing and yeah. the way in which it sort of like is super jokey and super grim at the and same just, time. Yeah, like I felt yeah, like that was that really was effective and I really and like wanted weird things like the, like the mutants and like the, the weird drug guys in that warehouse with the masks. And I like that everything was grotesque, but it was grotesque in a way that, in a way that was sense. presented in good pixel art. Like it would have been really easy to try and make yeah. things ugly by making the art ugly, but it made things ugly by making the subject of the art ugly, which I thought was great. Yeah. Uh, but it just it, like it was just so. It, and I don't know that like like I don't think that the bad control. I think the bad controls were the result of them making a platformer using RPG Maker, which it's just categorically not for i don't think the bad controls are like oh no this is supposed to suck like this is supposed to be an unpleasant experience for you like this was a kickstarter game that got the kickstarter dramatically overfunded by getting like nine thousand dollars and there was a there was a first game that was just a, an rpg maker game that this guy had made and then he did a kickstarter for the sequel and this is the sequel mm. oh, okay um I'm interested in it and I'm glad that it exists and I'm glad that somebody got to do this for kind of a living for a little while, but man, I, I'm not going to play any more of it. Like, yeah, I'm, at, I'm definitely interested to look up some let's plays of it and find out. I couldn't find anything. There was a, there was a, there was a, a wiki that somebody worked on until they got tired of adding stuff to a wiki after four hours. So it's <laughs> one of those. Um, did you try at game facts? I didn't, <laughs> I guess I should have. That's, that's my go-to. I really like the music. There's that. Hmm. And sound of like the sound effects are good too. Yeah. Like, oh, the, the, the very first sound effects you hear in the beginning intro, the Foley on that was real disturbing. Oh, mm -hmm. the, 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 the sound gruesome the beat beaten, beaten up, up scene. Yeah. Ah, man. I was really frustrated by, like, the pace of the conversations, where, like, there would be eight seconds of silence, and then a dialogue window would open, and it would just say yeah, ellipsis. You could never really tell when you were, when you had control right. or not, which was super the, aggravating. The sort of cut, in-engine cutscenes that you didn't know when they were cutscenes or not. Again, RPG Maker, you know, like... Eh. You can make a real particular kind of game in RPG Maker. <laughs> it, I mean, I guess Barkley Shut Up and Jam <laughs> Gaiden, the first one, was made in RPG Maker. Well, that was much more of a straight-up RPG. Yeah. That wasn't trying to but be But equally not, like, I think that RPG Maker uses a lot of RPG combat tropes that, like, real serious JRPG fans understand, but that are just incomprehensible just going into like yeah yeah man i'm glad this game exists and there are a lot of things to like about it and i hope that it sells a bunch of copies and the guy makes money and keeps making art hmm. i don't know that i want to if he just made another album of, of that sound like music like that i would just buy that <laughs> that would be pretty good is this like a one guy project? Like, did he do? I actually don't himself? know. Yeah, I don't That's know. But, but it was very like, 
the music felt very outsider art to me, just very strange, very well done, and like a very good example of what it was, which is just. And what it was is something that like is really weird and and like something that you don't hear much of. Well, I'm glad we played it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Jim. Yes. What is our assignment for next week? Oh, let's play full bore. Okay. Hey, you ask that. What if he just said, fuck you, Kevin? I'm not going to tell you what our assignment no. is for next week. <laughs> full bore, B-O-A-R? B-O-R-E. But but it is a pun. Oh. Yes. Uh, Riff, this game is not available on Mac. No. Just so you know. Um, it is Windows and Linux. No, so, you should boot to Linux. Yeah. How can wouldn't a Linux game run on Mac? I, well, no, but it's frustrating that they didn't take the extra time to make it run on Mac. Hmm. Yeah. Because it, I feel like if you can make a Linux build, you can probably make a Mac build. So, so full bore is like a as a puzzle platformer. Yeah, it's it's an escape goat style, I think. But it's more of a. Um, it's not level based. It's sort of a oh, explore good. a world sort of a thing. Oh, nice. Um, and I don't know. I don't know that much about it, but it was recommended to me um, in the context of Frog Fractions. Okay. So I that's why I don't know much more about it because I deliberately did not look up things. I have met the dev. He's a he's a local San Francisco. Oh, neat. guy. What's oh, I, what's his name? I don't remember. Okay. Yeah, I knew that was going to be your next question. And yeah, I, uh, just, I'm sure as soon as you were like, oh, I've met... Oh, wait, he's going to ask me. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, that reminds me when I uh, asked somebody how he was doing right at, right like a week after someone I knew died. Mm. And then like this, the conversation turned around. So how have you been? And I was like, oh, wait. Oh, right. That's where it's going. That's where this conversation is going now. I feel like that's part of like just the social skills of making small talk is like you just don't do that. Yeah, no. Like if I, if I had thought ahead, like <laughs> if thought one move ahead there, I would have been like, wait a second, why don't I not ask about life in general? Ah, uh, guys, I've had a fantastic time recording episode number one nine seven of Video Games Hot Dog with you. Is this episode number one nine seven? It is. I don't remember. If somebody wanted to send us a listener's mail, Kevin. How would they do it? They could go to our website, videogameshotdog.com, uh, which is probably going to be accessible most of the time. No, it works. So I did this thing where I like got I was trying to like move my that domain from GoDaddy to Hover because the I don't know, Hover guys don't go hunting Shoot and elephants. make everybody mad. Uh, and uh, it just like stopped the website from showing up and then I was like, "Gaff, help. What do I do?" And he's like, "I don't know." It's like, I never had anything to do with this. You set this up yourself. I'm like, fuck. I like, I, and I fixed it. What was wrong? I just, the, it transferred the DNS records over from mm. GoDaddy to Hover, but the DNS records were pointing at GoDaddy's DNS servers, which stopped serving because uh, they were like, fuck you. Like, we're not going to, yeah, we're not going to tell the internet where you live if you're not paying us. We got elephants to kill. Uh, so I, you know, I just had to switch it over to Hover's DNS servers and point it at the right IP address, and then it was fine. But I just, you know, it took me a while to figure it out. Okay. Uh, so look forward to that happening to a bunch of our other domains over the course of the next few years as I decide to stop. What about all the ones that you have uh, through Network Solutions? <sighs> Christ, it, I pay for them five years at a time, so it hardly ever occurs to me that anything needs to be done with them at all. But every five years, I'm like, 
boy, I sure am paying like a lot 40 times as much for these domains <laughs> as I would be if I moved them to hover. But like, you know, something I don't want is for like kingdomofloathing.com to be down for two years. Sure. Two years, two days. That's <laughs> what I meant. Two minutes would even be bad. Yeah, I remember switching my domain at the, my one domain at the time from I forget what the name of it even. You just said the name. GoDaddy? The one, the, the one that's like 40 times as expensive. Oh, Network Solutions. Um, and I the one that like, used to be the only... Like, back when we were making domains, that was, the that only was your one only the option. Time, right. And I called I called them up, and, and like the, the the retention guy like offered to price match the... Uh, oh. Yeah. And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is, if this is your policy, uh-huh. no, I'm going to... Well, at the time, I was going to GoDaddy. So it was like, hey, GoDaddy's the good guy this time. Um, and then like a couple of years ago, I was, I was thinking I should switch to hover cause it sounded good. Tried to register an account and it started giving me like errors about invalid character and password, which is just mm. like that. If you know anything about web security, that error message tells you very bad things about the people who created that form. Um, and so I was like, I do not trust this site with my information. It makes it real easy to buy stuff, which I like more than just about anything. I I do not care how secure websites are. I care how well they work and how easy they are to use. And I would I would rather a hundred times deal with the consequences of a security breach than have to reset my fucking password every time I use the website because <laughs> of their weird restrictions that are different and more secure or whatever. Well, tell tell like, me tell me this. What if the error was invalid character in password, but it didn't tell you which character? That's... (laughs) Since we're talking about usability now. I mean, yeah, sure. They should just let you use weird characters in passwords. Well, yes. the answer to the usability problem there, right? But, like... Sure, that's bad UX. Well, no, but it's also, like... Well, I'll talk about it in the show notes. Okay. We need to end this thing. And I hope we do it again real soon. <laughs> and listeners, I hope you'll join us. And until you do, keep your face on the bookshelf and keep licking the recliner. All right, till next week. Have a great week, everybody. Good night. There's like a hole to eat. Oh, out. a hole in the, Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, man. That. Okay, that, that actually sold me on the product. Up until now, I was joking. But that's uh, so wrong. So really, this is just a like a bean dip that you sit on. That's like. <laughs> you, are, are you implying that there's some other kind of bean dip? <laughs> <laughs>